Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 159 on tap for you today. We are back for a nice little episode. Um, Bills have played already. Obviously, Thanksgiving has been a while since they played, so memory's a little foggy on that game, but we'll be going over that one against the Lions on Thanksgiving. So hopefully, first and foremost, hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, hopefully got to enjoy some time off, spend it with some family and friends. And, um, of course, watch the Bills win a football game. Uh, Sabres also back in action this past week, debuting the Goathead Black and Red Unis, um, and in which, you know, honestly, a pretty good showing out of them their first time in those Unis as well. Uh, they got a couple wins back on the win column in the Sabre, for the Sabres this past week. Um, and, uh, yeah, so just another week here on the on the pod, just going over Sabres-Bills stuff. We'll go over the Bills-Lions uh, game, look ahead to the Thursday night pivotal game against the Patriots, and then we'll talk about the Sabres as they continue to roll on through this season. Hopefully they can string some wins together. They're actually playing right now as we're recording as well against Tampa in Buffalo. So um, we'll kind of go over, go over everything as we usually do. Um, before we get into it all, though, we will introduce Ethan as we always do. So, Ethan, how's it going? Oh man, I'm I'm still recovering from that Thanksgiving game. It was uh it was quite the game. Sabres back in the WCOM, which is nice. Kind of what we're watching the Sabres here as recording here, and hopefully they can get another W. But you know, had a good Thanksgiving. It was always good to see the Bills win on Thanksgiving, but a little bit of a wake up call here. It's the season isn't going as a as according to plan, I think, with the stretch of the schedule. Uh, but we're grinding through it and we're getting wins. So it's tough to complain at this point. Yeah. Um, I actually, now that you brought up the, you know, obviously sweating through Thanksgiving game, I was actually going to ask you, cause I, I haven't really got to talk to you since the Thanksgiving game and, and since really Thanksgiving, cause you were obviously with, um, with Anne and her family. And I know that you were with her, her, her grandma. And like, what was the, like, I was going to ask you kind of like, what was the scene like with like <laughs> you, you know, obviously being this diehard bills fan, we know how you get all the listeners at this point. No, Ethan as a, you know, huge bills fan. And, you know, if I haven't, you know, said it enough, he's he can be, you know, a time to watch a, a Bills game with. You know, he's really into it. He's, he's hopping around ever since he was a little guy. He cannot not sit still. So I'm just wondering what the scene was like if you trying to kind of contain your emotions, you know, with your wife's family and probably some of them not knowing that you're as big of a Bills fan as you are. I mean, it's got to be – that must have been a tough scene. Yeah, that added to the <laughs> whole experience of, of the game because – I, I don't know. It's like they don't they don't understand kind of all the storylines leading up to the game, right? They just think the Bills are good this year and the Lions are always bad. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, we won't have to worry. Like leading up to to the uh to Thanksgiving, everybody was like, Oh, we won't have to worry about this game because the Bills are gonna be up by twenty in the fourth quarter and we can just have a nice dinner afterwards and it's gonna be great. And I'm like thinking, you know, sitting there smiling, like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's the plan. But <laughs> well, didn't you head... didn't you eat dinner? Didn't you eat dinner at like two o'clock? No, thank God, we ate dinner at three. But <laughs> I was, we were on the so. We I had thought dinner well, so at, if you ate dinner uh, at my wife's ate... uncle's house, my wife's uncle's house. But we weren't sorry, we weren't expected to be at their house until three, so. The morning, okay. the game in central time started at 1130. We were at my grandma's house and, you know, having or not my grandma's house, my wife's grandma's house. And we were having breakfast and everything. And, um, you know, my father-in-law was preparing like all these dishes in the kitchen. And I'm sitting there in front of the TV watching the game, kind of like trying to stay quiet. Um, not really trying to react that hard to plays and everything, just like acting like I'm watching any other game <laughs> sitting there. And then time's going by, time's going by, and it's like 2.45, and he's basically like, all right, time to go over to Uncle Steve's house. And I'm, and this was right after the Bills just um, shanked the uh, extra point. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so Wait, like, so what, right. was, what was the score there? I forgot what one Bass missed the extra point. What was the score there? We went up by three, because if he made it, we would have been up by four. That's why it was such a big extra point, right? Because then the Lions came down and kicked the field goal to tie it. Oh, that, oh, that was right at the end of the game. Yeah. Oh, it was my like gosh. So did you even see the end of the game? <laughs> no, I. so then he's like, time to, time to go or whatever. <laughs> and so then I, I throw it on my phone, and like he, I'm like helping him like carry... 
things out to the car while I got like my phone in my other hand, like watching this game. <laughs> and then we're like in the car and I'm <laughs> driving over and I'm watching the game on my phone, going in and out of cell service. And then finally, uh, it gets to the point where the Bills kick the field goal and like this rush of emotions. It, it ended like as soon as before we got over to um, Ann's uncle's house. So I didn't have to like <laughs> rush into his house and sprint to the TV without saying hi to anybody. But it was uh, as soon as that field goal went in. And it was scary too, because especially watching on the phone, you can't really get a good angle sometimes. <laughs> the yeah. picture is a little blurry and it looked like it was going wow. wide. Yeah. Yeah. And so as soon as I saw the the refs throw their arms up, I just was like, yes. And uh, uh, it was funny, you know, mom texting me, you know, like, Alleluia, now you can go enjoy your Thanksgiving. So yeah, um, it was, was uh, ideal timing. Yeah, it was. But the, I, I think I kept my composure pretty well. I did not look like a psychopath, <laughs> except at that very end when I was like holding onto the phone while we were like getting ready to go over for Thanksgiving dinner. But was, was, Aunt, did Ann like know what was going on? Kind of was she, did yeah. she know that you were like, yeah, she scrambling? was, she was dialed into, yeah, she was, <laughs> she, she was worried. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause she knew that like it would have been like me playing injured through Thanksgiving if the Bills lost and I had to like have all this small talk going on with her extended family. Yeah. Knowing like I really didn't care about anything that they were saying. It's just like this Bills <laughs> loss was just, hanging over my head you know like i could not be dialed into any conversation or else i, I would just be thinking about this game the entire day yeah um all right well that yeah i just wanted to get the load out on that because i knew there was a that would have been a dice situation for myself to be in as well um but yeah anyway the, the bills obviously they did get the win as we just alluded to 20 what was it 28 to 25 was the final score um, I did predict the Bills to score 28 points in the game, by the way. Uh, if you want to run the tapes back, I said 28-21, 28-25, you know, uh, not too far off there. But it's not neither here nor there. Let's get into this game here. Um, close one. And and I think we, we you know, as we talked about this game last week, we said this line seemed scrappy. We said, you know, they were coming into this game on a three-game win streak. Um, it was a little bit of a different team than, you know, Lions teams of the past uh, we both agreed that we should get the win. And, and at the end of the day, you know, wins a win and and we ended up getting it. Um, but, y- you know, I, it was a three point win and a last second field goal against a team that was, you know, four and seven, I believe, at the point. And um, it, to be completely frank with you, I'm I'm over the, you know, bashing on bad teams or whatever it is. I, I'm, I'm firmly in and it happens every year. It's like a cycle where, you know, you start off the season hot. Uh, you're, you're riding this momentum that the bills are absolutely grooving. And then they, you know, only squeak by a, a inferior team or they lose to an inferior team. And then, you know, the, the, the cycle starts going, everybody starts going up in arms. And we talked about it the past few weeks as the bills have kind of been slumping, but then right around mid season here is where you get into the, a wins, a win territory where it should always be that from week one through week 17, but that's just not how the mind and, and the, you know, the body works. You kind of have these different expectations as the year goes on. That's just normal. But right now I'm in wins, a win territory and I'm fine with the the way we got it done. I honestly thought Josh played all right. He obviously had that one interception, but I don't even think that was that bad of an interception. You know, if we're being honest, it was kind of that RPO where he pulled it out, gunned it over the middle, and it was kind of a, just a great play by that linebacker. I mean, Diggs was wide open in the end he zone. He was open in the end zone. I, I threw my arms up. I thought that was a touchdown when he released it. Yeah, like if that gets through as a touchdown, um, you know, we've seen that play a million times where they scored, so I don't think that was a bad interception. At the same time, it still was another one in the red zone, which is just killer. But I don't know. I thought Allen played well. I thought the... You know, did you think he played I that the, well? I, I mean, thought I the think offense I, played he just all right. Doesn't look right still. I thought the offense played my, good enough. I, I take away. Well, I think I think what I real quick is, I think he progressed. I think he he's he. I think he really is rounding back into form, and I just think the main takeaway was that kind of what I've been saying and what I said last week is that our defense is just hurt. Like our defense didn't look that good. The Lions' offense oh, is pretty the decent. Secondary looked terrible. Our, uh, the Lions' offense is pretty decent, but at the same time, our our defense and again, it's not an excuse, but we're we're banged up. We just don't. We're not playing NFL starting players. We're playing a preseason roster on defense. Sands a few guys. You know, Von Miller goes down. <laughs> Are you getting French here? <laughs> <laughs> what? Sands? Mine means minus. Same thing. Um, yeah, it's French, but. But it's 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 we're playing a second string defense, and and, and so like it, 
the, the takeaway here is that if we don't get healthy, man, like it's, it's going to be tough to be confident in a deep playoff run. Like, and then you have Von Miller going out. Like that's kind of like where I'm at. And I, I guess we can kind of go back to talk about the offense a little bit. Cause I, I guess you, you weren't as confident in them as I was, but I don't know. You put up 28 points and, and at the, at the end of the game, when the time matters, Allen throws an absolute dart down, you know, to clutch up. So like, that's all that matters. In my opinion, it's just that defense is so banged up, man, that it's like, it's hard to have any confidence, like down the stretch and actual deep playoff run, unless we get some of these like key players back. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying on the defense and I kind of agree with you there. I, I still think, I still think we should have been able to make a few more plays with who was out there on the defensive end. But I mean, that's pretty subjective. I don't know. I get I mean, what you're Dane saying. Jackson, I mean, I, I might have to, you know, re- regress on my take a little bit about not necessarily about <laughs> the cornerback position in general. Poorly. I mean, just, well. the, the, just the cornerback position in general. I know I was down on it. And at the same time, we still have all these other injuries that are, that was kind of my whole take in general, but, but, but Dane Jackson, man, they, they, you go at them every time. I'm pretty sure at one point, the lions, they line up for a play and and Dane Jackson was covering the tight end, and the tight end's literally pointing at Jackson. Like they were literally like being so obvious about who we're yeah, going. Yeah, Goff at. was wasn't even like looking at what who was open. He was just looking at where Jackson was lying. Yeah, up. and it's crazy. Like his ball skills have like decreased so much because we we said this last week as well. But like it seems like he's always pretty sticky on these guys, and then the ball comes and he just can't make a play. And it's like they just go at him, go at him, and, and, and so yeah, the secondary. And sorry to cut you off there, but. It's crazy with this this guy. It seems like he's all over the ball, and then he just can't make a play when the when the ball comes. Yeah, and the thing is too, it's good to have Trey White back, right? I just don't know how he didn't play. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like how I don't know how quickly he's going to be up to full speed. He only played, I think, 15 plays. So is he going to be ready next week to take on a full workload? Probably not. You know, it, it might be not until the last couple of weeks of the season where we're, he's playing an entire game. So I, it's not like that there's help coming quickly. And Benford just got put on IR. Benford got put on IR. And to be frank, I don't think he was even playing that great the last couple of weeks either. It wasn't like he, he was playing awesome and everybody was just going at Dane Jackson. Like Benford, you know, he was, he was pretty mediocre. Elam's been banged up and it's, I think it's kind of hard to judge how good of a corner he is at this point. Cause he hasn't played enough. And even when he was healthy, it, he wasn't playing over Benford or Jackson, right? Like he wasn't earning. Yeah, he should have spot. been. They, I don't know what, I don't know what the coach, how much the coach needs to see Jackson get absolutely torched before putting anybody else in instead of him. I don't care how banged up Elon was. He was active. I know that Rhodes is now signed to the, to the full, full roster here. So he's probably gonna get some more action. If, if whites can't go, um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, we're just hurt, bro. Like, it, like yeah. If you think and, about and it. I think I think the 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 major thing is is that it shows how important Hyde was because I think so if we important. Had, I think and that is Hyde one thing there, I was right on. I said he was probably the most important player on that defense, and Edmonds even. I don't think you were right on that because the most important player is Milano, but he might be second. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say there. <laughs> but in the secondary, I think he's he's definitely the most important player because I you know he's he's kind of your safety net, right? Poyer, Poyer's awesome at coming up making hits and everything, but as far as like that rangy safety that's gonna cover for you when you're out of position, that's like Hyde's specialty. And these corners are getting exposed without him. I think he covered up a lot of stink in that secondary um, that would kind of go unnoticed. That's what um, I, that's the kind of the points I've been that that I was making at the beginning of the year. But regardless of the defense, the defense let up 25 points. They're banged up for sure. I thought they could have made a few more plays. You seem to think that they are what they are. Whatever. They're they're not. They're definitely not healthy. That's the that's the storyline there on the defensive side of the ball. Well, then we got to talk about Von Miller before we hop over the offensive side of the ball. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Von I mean, Miller goes it just, down. It's a Thanksgiving with, uh, curse. It's a Thanksgiving yeah. curse, man. Yeah, right. Trey I White mean, last, last year, year. Last year we lose Trey White on Thanksgiving, and then he makes his debut on this year's Thanksgiving, and then Von Miller goes down with what was reported to be a knee injury. People were kind of assuming the worst off rip since he got carted off uh, with, you know, was it a torn ACL, MCL? People were already thinking that we're going to lose him for the season. It got reported that that 
it was not an MCL or ACL tear. It was a what was it a knee sprain? I think it was they a got meniscus, right? Okay, meniscus. wasn't it a meniscus sprain or, or something? It, it was like a meniscus it was tear. Some sort of I know sprain. you can you can play you can play on a torn meniscus, and it and it depends. Like some people tear their meniscus and don't get surgery. And I actually know that because fun fact, mom mom actually has a torn meniscus, and she's just electing to not get surgery. So shout out to mom yeah, she's for playing like, through the pain. <laughs> she's basically setting an example for Von Miller right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, a, a Sunday morning in the garden or a Sunday afternoon on the on the football field, basically the same thing. Yeah, pick your poison. <laughs> um, but anyway, he he looks like I think the diagnosis right now is that he's not playing this week against the Patriots for sure. He's already got ruled out. I think the earliest that we might see him back is the week after that. Yeah, and there still could be a chance where he could go on it. Something else happens or he doesn't feel right. And basically he gets surgery and he's done for the year. So yeah. him coming back is not a sure thing. The extent of what he's going to look like when, or if he does come back is definitely up in the air. So basically you'll lose not only Micah Hyde for the rest of this year, but you're going to get a dimin- diminished Von Miller. I think, if- and the other thing is, real quick, is is and I think I said the same thing last week about when we were talking about Trey White coming back. Like, I'm not expecting Von Miller to come back to, or for the Bills to even let him try to come back. And like maybe he's able, like people are saying, oh, 10 days, and then he's able to play after this upcoming week. Whatever. The Bills side on the they err on the side of caution. So they're gonna let this like wait out and, and until he's really ready. And then like they might even I could see them even. If Vaughn's like, listen, I don't want to get surgery. Like, I want to play. I could see them, if they're doing okay, like, be like, all right, well, we're going to wait till playoffs type thing. Like, the Bills are just kind of like that in a sense where they like to wait and, and make sure their guys are 100% and not risk anything. So, if it's if, my guess here is we don't see them for like the next three games minimum. I'd probably agree with that. Like, you know what I mean? Just the Bills are just, that's just how they are. That, that's how McDermott and, and their staff likes to, likes to handle things. Um, which I mean, at this point, I talk about getting a new new staff. Well, let's get a new freaking training staff at this rate with all these injuries this year. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, but if you look at the next three games, those are probably the most important games of the rest of the season. It's I know, but AFC it's just games. yeah, AFC it's just it's, t- it's bad timing for sure. I just uh, they're just gonna air, they're just gonna side on there air on the side of caution. I keep it. I mean, stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if they shut them down until playoffs. That's what. I, yeah, that's what I just said. I guess it all depends, though, on, on what the situation looks like down the stretch. If if you're going for a division title, maybe you bring him back towards the end of the year. If it's like week 16 or 17 and the AFC East is on the line and you need a win, maybe you bring him back. But I, 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 don't, I don't even know if you do that and you'd rather just have him go at it in the playoffs and he blows out his meniscus in the playoffs. He blows out his meniscus in the playoffs. But what? <laughs> Jeez. I right, then go get surgery after that. That's what I'm saying. Um, all right, what were you gonna say? No, I just think moving on, that's that's kind of it on the defense. It's it's not getting you're yeah. not getting any healthier, in my opinion, outside of Trey White. Hopefully Edmonds is back. That's gonna be key. Uh because yeah. I mean, I don't think you can go another game with not with not having him up the middle. I don't it, think uh I, I think uh, this might be the first time in history of uh, someone earning their paycheck without playing, right? I feel like he's, he, mm-hmm. you know, that's been the big talk with Edmonds and his new contract over the past offseason. What, what if, you know, they're going to get that, Do you bring him back get that big contract, whatever. If he's going to get that big linebacker, Fred Warner type deal. Um, well, he goes out and, and it's it's very apparent that he's missed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully he gets healthy again. It's a groin, which lingers, which, which doesn't help. But, yeah, it's just bottom line, uh, you know, like and you hopefully, said, no. Go ahead. Sorry, we're um we're we're like so delayed this episode. I feel like, but no. What I was just gonna say is, I think we are delayed? like 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 my voice is not getting to you like until like, <laughs> like five I'm seconds on, after I'm, I'm done on the talking. field. I'm on the field. You're bringing it to the field. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> bringing it back to the studio <laughs> or something. And just like we're usually wake the connection's usually better than this, but. Anyway, that's my train of thought. We we can move on. I was just gonna say before we move on is that uh, it looks like we're gonna have some 
reinforcements back on the defensive line as well. It looks like Epinesa and Rousseau were practicing this week too. So hopefully they're going to be able to go on Thursday against the Patriots. Cause that was another point. I mean, we were down to practice squad players playing defensive end and, and I'm sorry, Boogie Basham, man, that does not look like a good draft pick in, in general. I, I mean, I think beans kind of got left off the hook because of the digs trade and maybe like the Milano draft, but these last couple of drafts, his guys are not panning out his guys outside of, um, I mean, even Gabe Davis now, you know, he's kind of in the doghouse. Like what, what's a good draft pick by Bean over the last couple of drafts. Could you name one? Rousseau. Yeah. Rousseau. I, yeah, I guess that he's kind of performed, but I mean, Basham pretty flat. Epinesa, I think leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, James Cook, I think the jury's still out there. Obviously, Zach Moss was a disaster. Uh, Benford, or what's his name for the, the linebacker? Oh, Bernard. Uh, Bernard. Yeah, definitely not it. Well, we don't know. I think jury's still out there as well. <laughs> jury's not out there. I can tell you right now, that guy is. You haven't he's seen not him it. Play. He's not it. He comes in. He came in for a, a few plays when Edmonds was out, and he's. He's not no, a middle no better than anybody bro. else that we're he throwing. He doesn't play in there. that position. He doesn't play Edmonds' position. He plays what outside is... linebacker. He ain't it. All right. All right. Anyway, let's go to the offense. Let's go to the offense. Let's let's kick it back to the studio. All right. Let's go to the offense. And well, I mean, I kind of said my piece on the offense, bro. Like, I think that, like, I I think that Allen's rounding back into the, (laughs) I think Allen's rounding back into form. It's not, it's obviously not like where, all right, listen, it's not where it was at the first few weeks of the season where we're literally just going down the field and blah, blah. I think I think the jury might be out on on Ken Dorsey here, dude. If anything, jury like, is definitely out on Ken Dor- Dorsey. Like, like I think he he needs to he needs to figure something out too. And 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 even you know Dawson Knox gets seven targets last week, all seven receptions. He was an absolute ghost in this game on Thanksgiving. I don't know if that's Dorsey or, or what the deal is there, but it just seems like sometimes going down the field when you have a guy like Josh Allen, where we know what he's capable of, it, it seems way too difficult for them to like, I'm not nearly as confident as I was at the beginning of the year where I'm like, all right, we're going down and we're, we're scoring easily or at the end of games where we need a touchdown. No, field my goal. confidence like, is shot. It's like when we're, whenever we get the ball, it's like, it's like, oh, God, like I really hope Josh doesn't like throw a pick this time or so. It's just very, very complete 180 in a quick, quick amount of time. And I think there's one thing that, that stuck out to me where I think could maybe be the difference. And obviously it's not going to change everything, but I've noticed, dude, and and they and they and they finally started doing it a little bit more this past game. Maybe they did it. Maybe Dorsey did it, you know, a couple times. But Josh and designed runs haven't happened nearly as much as they did with Dable last year. And I think that that and, opens and up at the so beginning much of the more. Season, there was a there was a I think there was a switch after the bye after the bye week that they stopped doing it because he got, Josh was kind of getting banged up a little bit in the first couple of weeks of the season because he was running a lot more. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's not even the scrambles. His, his scramble will always be there. He's always just a menace on the ground with his legs, getting out of the pocket on a pass play and creating. He that's always been there. That always will be. It's the designed runs, like the like you, you watch the the Hurts and the Eagles the other night, and and they he's running for 150 yards because they're doing these QB draws up the middle. Like designed runs in the red zone with Allen, I think is a, a something that's been lacking and what's been causing a lot of distress and turnovers in the red zone offense. I, I I think you have to bring it back in some capacity. You don't have to go full blown on it, but I think they're really lacking on those, on those design quarterback runs where, where he, he, he really excels at. And, and I, I'd like to know like your thoughts on that. Yeah. Also, I think the offense sands <laughs> Dawkins and Morse on the offensive line. You can't underplay those injuries too. Cause I thought the offensive line did not play well. Yeah, I, for, I forgot. I completely forgot. Like Dawkins got hurt at the end of the first half, and then he just never came back. So that's another injury that, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah, but I, I also I just think going back to the Dorsey play calling. Not I. I, agree, I get what you're saying. I, I like your take on on the design runs, because also you always say that always says we always say on the podcast. It's, it seems like Allen almost needs to get hit to get his engine re- re- revved up, and you know to kind of kind of dialed into the game. So, you know, getting him hit early and, and having him run the football is a good way to do that. Um, so I like where your head's at there. The other thing, too, is the, the one thing that stuck out to me, which was it was just like very weird play calling wise and like 
scheme wise in the second half, why did it take so long for us to just do these like short, quick passes that that was our entire touchdown drive to Diggs, right? That, that drive that we marched all the way down. It seemed way easier than the, the last couple. We finally just started doing these short, quick passes. Whoa. Tage Thompson. That was sick. Did you watch that? I just saw, yeah. You're we, like we just we just five seconds ahead of me. We just <laughs> did these short, quick passes to just get the ball out in our receivers' hands instead of letting these long plays develop. When you have a battered O line, Josh, you know when you, you do these. Sometimes when I think you do these long dropbacks, Josh is always looking for that home run. He's always looking to take the top off a of defense, and I think that can get him second guessing sometimes, getting him making throw mistakes. I think in in Dable's offense, what I notice is there was way more designed quick RPOs, quick throws to the sidelines, these five or six yard, you know, area passes to Beasley slants to digs. Like we just did that more. I feel like in, in Dable's offense to put ourselves in position to be in second and twos or second and threes, you know, instead of, it seems like we're consistently in third and longs, right. Yeah. Where we have to get 15 yards over the middle and, and the defenses are, are ready for it. And, and so I think like scheme wise, like it just, Dorsey doesn't seem like he adapts quick enough as where Dable would have, he would have a, almost like a unique game plan per opponent. It seemed like our offense was so much more dynamic where depending on who we were playing, we would just, we would do different things. If that makes sense. Where, where Dorsey, I think he's very committed to having Josh, Josh drop back there and throw 20 yard passes or, going the complete opposite and almost abandoning the pass and just consistently running the football. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, yeah. it seems like he doesn't adapt. Yeah. Well, 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 a hundred percent, dude, it's the same thing that we talked about literally at the end of the, when we did the episode after let's go, Saber just tied it up at the end of the Minnesota game, right? The episode after that Minnesota game, when we talked about the drive in overtime where they're just absolutely going on the field at will, a short little pass or a little passes, they get to the 20 yard line. Then they do two, touchdown or red zone pass end zone passes. Obviously the interception ends the game. And we talked about that specific play on the interception to Gabe Davis, where it was literally four verticals on second and 10 from the 20 yard line after right. going down the field and just chopping it up to digs, a Singletary to Davis on short little passes. Same exact thing. It, it, it's what you're saying about this game. It's what happened in the Minnesota game and, and what caused us to lose that one as well. The only thing I'll say to kind of combat that and play a little devil's advocate is there was definitely times last year on this podcast where we sat here and we complained about Dable. That's that's true. Right. And we complained about there, there were series that we were like, what is he doing there? You just ran the ball three times in a row. Right. We we complained about Dable, and it's just something that we kind of do as I think a Bills fan base here. When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen and you're not scoring 30 plus points every single game, you're not scoring on every drive, like because that's what we expect nowadays, right? That's like literally just what we expect with seeing the way that he seeing his ceiling is is basically so bad for all of us because we expect so much. So there was times where we would complain about Dable on this podcast and, you know, it's, it's just going to happen every year that we do this thing. We're going to complain about the OC when Ken Dorsey goes off and gets his own head coaching job and Joe Brady becomes the offensive coordinator. We're probably going to sit here and complain about Joe Brady when the bills are slumping midseason again. So I, I I'm not saying I disagree with you. Like it's still something that needs to be brought up and it's worth talking about on here, but like, I guess it's it's just something that maybe we kind of have to get through and and hopefully that you know it can work itself out. Um, but no, I agree. Do you think I mean, that Dorsey's going to get a head coaching job this off season? Not that no, not this off season. But I mean, dude, it's it's just the, the way the NFL works. I mean, what Dable is the OC for three three years for us, and you have a quarterback like Josh Allen in, in an offense that the Bills have, and I I truly believe they'll work their way out of this funk eventually. Where you know, it's it's good enough, and who knows? Three years from now, I would not be surprised if Dorsey has a has a uh, head coaching gig, and then we, you know, we'll promote the the quarterback coach, and the new quarterback coach will then become the new OC at some point. Like, I don't know. That's just the cycle that I don't see not happening. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, but my my bigger tidbit. my bigger concern lies within Josh himself, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he got injured. You're more worried about his mental. I'm. I just don't think he's physically there. See, see that that does, that's a thing though. Is maybe he's not okay? Maybe because Romo was hammering that home during the game. He was talking about his elbow a lot. 
But, and the way that Romo was talking too, sorry to cut you off here. He was very confident that Josh was going to be able to work out of what he's ever he's going through here. He kept saying right. it's going to take him a couple weeks to understand. I don't know how he put it, but basically understand how his elbow is operating now. Yeah. And he's going to be able to make adjustments. And in, he, Romo kept saying, you know, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be that quarterback that, that we saw before. So that kind of maybe instilled some confidence in me, but, but go ahead. No. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is that, and obviously me or you, we're not NFL quarterbacks, but me and you both played sports growing up and we both obviously dealt with, you know, you're banged up when you play sports or whatever. You're not always hundred percent healthy. The only reason why I'm saying, I don't necessarily think it's that much of a physical issue with Josh is because like, you know, that like, say like you have like a little bit of an injury going into a game. And then once you're in the mix with a game, like the last thing on your mind is that injury, like your, your adrenaline's pumping, you're going through and maybe, so, and maybe it's, it's affecting you without you even noticing. But from the most part, like, I don't know, just from personal experience, when I played sports and say something was hurting, I would go out there. And that's the last thing I'm thinking about once I'm in the middle of the game, like your, yeah, your instincts take over the adrenaline takes over. So, and, and, and especially with a guy like Josh Allen, where he, 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 plays through anything he's he's an absolute animal like i i just find it hard to believe that that's really you know what's causing some of these concerns and, and he would be the first one to say like it's not this injury like you know that josh out there in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter like he's his elbow feels fine so like that's the only thing i'm saying um but yeah i mean maybe like i, I, without I, I him agree knowing with you still, is to an extent where i'm not i don't think that he's out there and it's nagging him Per se, like he, like you know, where he's clutching it. Kind of, did you? I don't know if you watched the game last night, but you know, Rogers was kept holding on his hand, and that was yeah. obviously bothering him. Where Josh, I get what you're saying, right? He he he's playing. He's got the adrenaline pumping. He's yeah, maybe it's affecting him without him even knowing is what you're that's saying. That's my that's my yeah. point. Like I think he's not throwing the ball in the same way because he's adapting to how his arm feels now. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not like if he's holding his arm or if he's holding a football here. It's it's not like his arm's constantly hurting, but if he throws it in a certain manner, he's not able to do what he's used to do. So he has to make these adjustments, right? Where he's making these adjustments now and he's not used to how he has to throw the football. So he's off a little bit. And that's yeah. that's what I think. And so, you know, Romo seems to feel like that it's going to take him a couple of weeks to to figure out how he's going to be able to adjust and he's going to be fine. I hope that happens because we talked about this last week, right? Where you and I were both going into this game against the Lions, banking on this being the Josh Get Right game where he puts a stamp on it Thanksgiving wise and and he lets the world know that he's still, you know, a top three quarterback in this league. Having said, I mean, unbelievable comeback, unbelievable last drive to get a field goal there, right? It was kind of like a 13 seconds redemption moment. Um, and that, you know, he uncorked that one to Diggs. That was on the money. But there were so many throws in that game, especially in that second half, that were just so uncharacteristic of of Josh. Right? He was he was just missing guys, and it was almost it almost felt like year one Josh Allen, right? Where he had these glimpses of great plays, but then he'd have these throws that weren't close. And so I'm just hope I I I don't think it's mental at this point. Like I think he's over those those mental hurdles that we talked about that red zone pick. Um, but I, I still think he's doing a better job of making decisions back there and taking care of the football compared to, you know, what he's doing against the Packers, the Jets. I just still think that there's something physical there. And we, until we have that game that we keep talking about, right. We thought it was going to be the week before against the Browns. And then we're like, okay, I think it's going to be this week against the lions. And it's still not there, right. We're, we're winning these games, but we're not winning them in the same way where, We've talked about this last year, and and we keep saying a win and a win, and especially in the in, especially right now they're in this dog day stretch where your team's beaten up, and you got backups playing left and right. Winning football games is winning football games, no matter how you slice it. But if the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl and if they're going to be a contender, the way that they're going to win football games is through dicing defenses up, like we saw in the beginning of the season, right? That that's the team that's going to win a Super Bowl. It's not this team right now. And if you look at all of the advanced analytics, the stats, that, all of that, all those back it up. The Bills are kind of like a middle of the pack football team when it comes to like their offensive defensive splits right now, ever since coming out of the bye. So, I mean, a, a lot of these games right now are coin flip games. They're one possession games. Like I wouldn't say the Bills are markedly a better team than the teams that they're beating, if that makes sense. And so if, if they're going to come back 
and, and they don't need to be right now, right? Because we're what? We're, we're middle of the season. They just, if, as long as they keep winning and put themselves in a position to be in position down the stretch, that's fine. But at some point, you got to hit the gas pedal and get and find that form again. And so until we see that game, there's always going to be that concern in the back of my head. There's always going to be, uh, you know, me wondering, is Josh going to be able to overcome this elbow injury? Because I still don't think he's right. And until I can see that consistency of him hitting receivers open and and me and, and having that confidence, right, where every time the offense touches the ball, they're going to score. And until we can feel that again, there's going to be concern in the back of my head. Last thing I'll say on a couple of things here on, on Josh and then this game in general was, um, yeah, you know, those doubts are there. You know, hey, it is what it is. This past Saturday night, I was going to bed. I was scrolling through my phone, and a Josh Allen video popped up on my screen. It showed a couple of his uh, highlights from college. I looked up a YouTube mixtape of Josh Allen Wyoming highlights in college, and it instilled all my confidence back in him. This guy's an absolute baller. He's a winner. That's all I had to watch. Like I'd never even watched him at Wyoming. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to watch some Josh Allen Wyoming highlights right now. And his highlight tape um, at Wyoming was insane, and he was hurtling guys in that, which I didn't realize, too. so I I just got in my feels a little bit. I was like, you know what? Trusting this guy. Also, sidebar, Tanner Gentry was an absolute monster at Wyoming with him. He was his number one target at all times, which was just kind of crazy to see. But that's all I had to say on Josh Allen. I watched that highlight tape, him at Wyoming, about this guy who just was a zero-star recruit, and now he's out here slicing and dicing in the NFL. So I still have the confidence. It'll come back. I, I'm firmly believing that it has progressed since the buy, you know, went down from the buy. And now I think it's back on its way up over the past couple of games here. Um, and the the final thing on this Detroit game was at the end of the game. And I know you were talking about how you were kind <clears> of <throat> packing up, leaving the house during the end of it. We kind of got lucky, dude, because I know we didn't really talk about specifically about the game as much. But the only thing I wanted to say about it is that at the end of the game, and we were talking about the defense, they were kind of getting sliced and diced all game, right? Detroit settled for a field goal there at the end of the game when they came down and tied it. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, they they settled for a field goal. They could have went down, I think, if they just put their offense together. I think they had like three timeouts. It was like two minutes and 30 seconds left on the clock still after the Diggs touchdown. They could have went down and scored a touchdown there to take the lead. And, yeah. and that was just, I think, terrible time management by Campbell. And, and the, the approach on that drive, I think, was just a kind of a, a very soft approach for especially a guy that prides himself on being this, you know, big time players and in loudmouth. And it, it seemed very, very odd. And I think we kind of got lucky there because they could have went down, I think, and they're moving the ball pretty well, but they were just playing super slow and they literally settled for a tie on a field goal. And we got lucky with getting, you know, 20 seconds back there and, and, and a few timeouts to get a field goal at the end of the game to win it. But I don't know what they were thinking. Like, I, I really don't. And, so that's kind of just the one takeaway I had at that, you know, from the specific, specifically the end of the game is they, they settled for that field goal. I feel like they could have went down and, and at least threatened a touchdown. They, I mean, they bonded out on third and one. It was insane. So that's kind of like the, and to and wrap it up. I Dan Campbell that. finished the game with two timeouts in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, like refusing to call timeout, which was also crazy. That's so what I mean, they, they, they were trying to run the clock and, and kick a field goal, no time left to play for overtime, which, which they were, pretty much driving at will on our defense the entire game. Um, but let's move ahead. We'll uh, talk about this Thursday night game, Pats and Pats and Bills, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to some Sabres talk as well. Okay, so first of the AFC East gauntlet coming up on Thursday, Bills at Patriots. Um, or is it in Buffalo? No, in New England. Okay, it is in New England. Uh, Thursday night football. And then uh, obviously we got Jets and, and Dolphins down the down the hatch as well after that. Uh, so three AFC East games in a row. Uh, do we play the Jets or the Dolphins first after the Patriots? Patriots, then Jets, then Dolphins. Okay. But anyway, we'll talk about this Patriots game. Patriots kind of resurging lately. Um, obviously, they just lost to the Minnesota Vikings on Thanksgiving and a kind of a, a little bit more of a shootout than, you know, I think people expected with Mac Jones playing. I think he had over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, but they lose to the Vikings. But other than that, I don't know. They've been playing better. I, t- to be honest with you, like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've been watching a lot of Patriots football. I've just been seeing that they've been kind of scrapping out wins. I mean, they had that very ugly, ugly win against the Jets, I believe, the week before, 10 to 3 on a punt return last second. Um, but this is uh, this is the start of the AFC's gauntlet. So I think that's kind of the main the main storyline heading into Thursday night. This is where the season 
kind of is won or lost right here. We're 0-2 in the division already, three in a row. You got to win all of these. You got to win all of these, and it starts on Thursday night. So give me your thoughts heading into this one. Yeah, I mean, you you you, you kind of nailed it on the head. This is the season here. Um, this is where we see what this team is made of. Obviously, things aren't going according to plan in the division so far this year. Kind of surprising losses to both the Dolphins and the Jets. We haven't played a, a divisional game at home yet. So this, and we're not, I guess we're not going to play one this week either, but this is where we see what this team is made of is the divisions. Does the division still go through Buffalo and a lot, the dolphins are getting a lot of hype. I mean, as they should, they're eight and three, they beat us. Tua is remarkably better. Uh, he's got crazy weapons. I mean, the dolphins probably have the best offensive weapons in the NFL. If, on, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you could tell me a team that has a better offensive weapons than the dolphins. They are, they are a very good football team with a very good coach. Patriots, obviously, they just never go away, it seems like. Even when the roster is what it is, it seems like you're talking about they find ways to win. They lost a tough one against the Vikings on Thanksgiving. Definitely some controversial calls there with the you know, Hunter Henry, no touchdown. And uh, But anyway, they, you know the, the Vikings ended up beating them, which was good for us. But they always play us tough, especially when we go into New England. Um. I know we kind of whooped them last year in their building, but they took they took it one from us in in our building. So this is a statement game for the Bills, and it's a statement not only for this week, not only to get on the the board within the division to get another win uh, in general, but it's to set the tone for the next three weeks. That you know, Big Brother's back, Big Brother's still here, and you still have to beat us in in order to get through the playoffs. And the Patriots are on the outside looking in right now in the playoff picture. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be looking to make a statement in front of their fans on primetime. Mac Jones is going to want some redemption for the embarrassment that we you know, put on him last year in the playoffs and the game before when we were in Foxborough. Um, it seems like we kind of already written, wrote him off as a, as a quarterback over there. So yeah, he looked pretty good, honestly, last week against the the Vikings. Um, I've, you, you, I'm very nervous for stopping their, their running game. Uh, Patriots are a very physical football team. Um, kind of the first game last year kind of showed that, right? They just took it to us in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I'm guessing they're going to try to do the same exact thing as, as they did last year and just hold on to football as long as possible, run the football down our throats. And then, you know, get after Josh Allen on defense and, and beat us up on the line. Uh, the game is yeah. going to be won and lost by Josh Allen. It's simple as that. We're going to need him to throw for three touchdowns. Kind of have to, we need him to have the performances that, that we're used to uh, over the, the course of these next three games and starts on Thursday. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, I said last year, that the changing of the guard in the AFC East happened the year before. So two years ago, last year I said that happened two years ago. The changing of the guard already happened, that the Bills are the kings of the AFC East now. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to double back on, on that at this point. And I know we're talking about this Patriots game where it was kind of, you know, we were kind of talking about they took it over from the Patriots. But right now, you know, it's the Dolphins that are more of the threat than the Patriots, even though we're talking about this Patriots game. Um but either way, we're all in the same division here, and I'm and I'm sticking that ground with the Bills are still the kings of the AFC East from two years ago until the next 20 years. I still firmly believe that. I know those two division games we had this year, we obviously lost, but I, I'm sticking to the guns that we are the best team in this division. I I I I am in full confidence saying that. So the Patriots are a scrappy team. Am I worried about the run game? Like you said, yeah, I am. Um but at the same time, you know, I was worried about the 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 Browns run game and, and Chubb rush for rush for 20 yards. Um, but either way, I think we do win this game. I'm just going to hop right into my prediction. I do think it kind of goes down like the Browns game where when I predict the Browns game, um, I said that they're going to run all over us, um, which they didn't end up doing that really. But at the same time, we, we talked about this after after that game where it was like they were doing little screen pads and stuff where the running backs were still getting theirs. But I think it's going to go down where the Patriots going to run the ball. It's going to take a lot of clock. It's going to, you know, they, they might score a few times, but it's going to kind of like roll or, or shorten the game because it's going to be a lot of eating the clock by them running the ball by us, maybe methodically going on the field by them playing some defense that doesn't let us take deep shots, that kind of game. So 
I think we're going to win, but I, I do think it's going to be close. I mean, you have to respect the fact that our team is just injured. Like I'm sticking to that narrative. Like our defense is what it is with these injuries in place. And so with that, they're going to score on us. I again, think Josh Allen is progressing back to the way he is. So I think we win by one score. I'll say 28 to 20, 24. I think it is going to be a tight one, but I think I'm going to say 28, yeah. 24. I think it is going to be a tight one too. And I, I think it's going to even be lower scoring than uh, what you're predicting, just because I think both teams are going to have long possessions and they're going to have to make each of them, each of them count. I think the bills are going to, they really can't punt the ball almost at the, during this game. And they're going to have to score on each possession. Um, I'm going to say the bills win on, and that by having the ball last and kick a last second field goal to win 20 to 17. Um, do you so think I, it's going to be like, uh, like how much time are they? Is it going to be a two minute drill coming down, or do you think they have like thirty seconds, kind of like last week, to get it no, done? No, I think they're going to have like four or five minutes and just eat the whole clock going on like a seventy five yard touchdown or seventy five yard drive, eat the clock, and then kick a field goal with like five seconds left. Okay, yeah. I, I, again, I'm still. Um, you know, maybe my confidence level isn't as high as it has been in the past with these with these AFC East games, and that's because you know we, to be frank, we've been humbled this year with the AFC East and a couple times last year even. But uh, you gotta stick. Uh, I'm sticking my guns. We're still kings of the AFC East. That what what are? Let me get your take on like on that take of it. Like me saying me sticking to that. Like, are you still confident that we're the best team in the division, regardless of records right now, regardless of what's happened? You know, right now, do you still think we are the best team in this division? Yeah, but I don't think it's by a wide margin like it was in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think, I think, number one, if you would have told me that the Bills were eight and three going into week, what, 13 are we in now? Yeah. Um, I would, you know, I think I would have still taken that all day. But I think if you would have told me that we were eight and three going into week 13 and not leading the division and had to go play, the six and five Patriots, the what are the Jets? Seven and four Jets and the eight and three Dolphins three weeks in a row. Like nobody predicted those teams to do what they were doing this year, right? So I I think it's I I still think the Bills are the the class of the division, but there's way more way more to prove now, especially with how a couple of their I mean two out of their three losses came within the division, right? So yeah. It's not like it's not like they've beat these teams already and they're gonna beat them again. It's like they still need to prove that <laughs> those games were maybe just a fluke and you kind of got them on a good day, right? Yeah. Where they need to they basically need to run the table and the rest of the like need to go four and oh to finish the season in the in the division for for me to, to still sit here and say that they're best team in the division. Cause I think I, I frankly I don't they're not gonna win the East unless they do. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, that, that's a good point because it's like I was actually thinking about this when I think we did this hypothetical maybe before the buy or something. But if if someone was like, all right, before the season, you're gonna be after week twelve, you're gonna be eight and three. Do you sign up for that or not? I'd probably say yes. And then if they're like, all right, well, but those two of those three losses are once the Jets and once the Dolphins. Do you want to sign up for that or do you want to just like run the tail from the beginning and see what your record would be? I'd be like. No, of course, run the table. We're not losing to the Jets and Dolphins. We'll be, you know, we'll be 10 and one at that point. If you're, if you're telling me those are the two losses to like, I'd rather run the table there. So it's like the teams have obviously showed up this year and it's, and it's a little bit different, but I, I, I have, no, let me, let me ask you this because I'm saying that at the beginning of the year, right? No, now, no, no. Yeah. But let me, that. let me ask you this. What if someone told you you're going to be eight and three after week 12, the same situation, but two out of the, your three loss, instead of losing those two games to the Jets and Dolphins, you lose to the Chiefs and Ravens. I would the reason I'm I would have been like okay, like yeah, I can see myself losing those games. Like though, that's kind of the, the thing I was saying. Not so, not more so. Like I, it's one way or the other's better. It's more so like I'm confident that we would be able to beat the Jets and the Dolphins if you let me just run the table, as opposed to just giving me penciling those two losses in already. Yeah, yeah, I know that's fair. I the, my point is like if you told me that, then I would have been like okay, well we're kind of kind of where we left off you know yeah beating who being beating not being able to beat the best teams basically but anyway 
Yeah, okay. We're eight three. Yeah. We're eight three. No. But, I just uh, meant like we're gotta, like we gotta, we gotta, yeah. we gotta win out in the yeah. FCs. That's that's plain and simple. And starts on Thursday. Yeah, and for another primetime game, another time for Josh to shine in the spotlight. So we'll see how it goes. But we both have the Bills predicting to win by uh, a little close margin here, one score games. Um, so we'll see how it goes Thursday night. Um, and then obviously report back next week and and see where we're at. But let's move on to the Sabers here. Sabers, obviously, last time we talked, we're in the midst of a what an eight game losing streak. Uh, they ended up did breaking that this past week with wins against Montreal was their first win out of the losing streak, and then wins against St. Louis, and then they did lose to the New Jersey Devils, and they are playing the Tampa Bay Lightning right now as a recording. So people listening to this will know what the game result was as uh, as they're listening to this. But anyway, honestly, dude, after watching that Devils game. I'll, I'll take the week that we had last week. If we're going, we kind of like, you know, doing recaps with the Sabres on a week-to-week basis. Two and one wins against Montreal and St. Louis, a loss to the Devils. That Devils team, did you watch that game? I didn't get to see a lot of it. They're so, good. So I watched that whole game. That that team's that team's legit. It's, it's not a fluke. They're obviously one of the best teams in the league right now. They are a high-flying team. The the one maybe thing you can say about them is they can get caught down for checking very hard because they're aggressive. That's the one goal we scored is they got caught underneath and we got on an odd man rush and Olsen scored, which I was kind of saying during the game. I'm like, yo, they're super aggressive. If you can get out of the zone and get going quick, that's the one time you can attack and, and get on odd man rushes, kind of like teams do against us, to be honest. But they yeah, are a high like f- us, but they're just further along. Yeah, they're they're just high flying and their their forecheck is relentless. And Lindy Ruff has got that team moving and grooving. So that loss, I mean, I don't even think we played necessarily that bad. I think they were just a better team than us. And especially on that night, they were they were just better. And you know, it is what it is. They're gonna lose some of those games sometimes. Um, but the wins against Montreal, St. Louis, good to get back in the win column. The the goat had obviously debuting in, uh, against the St. Louis Blues on, on that home game. The the jerseys looked unreal. Those threads looked so sick. Um, again, it's good to have those for the five or six games or whatever it is throughout the season. I still like having those Royal Blues, but they look they look fresh. And that game yeah. was awesome in them. The the stadium was rocking, um, and the boys put a beat down on them. So um, I don't know what else do you have to say about these games. I mean, get right game in Montreal. It was nice to get back in the win column, and I think uh, Skinner went off that game. Uh, and then, you know, just trying to kind of get more of a consistent, consistent, uh, you know, wins here. And and hopefully this eight game losing streak was kind of a blip where it was a little bit, maybe of a fluke as opposed to the reality of the team. Yeah. It was nice to get back in the W column. Um, I think it's showing that this team still has skill. They can still score finally can scoring at a consistent clip again. Um, it's almost like. Samuelson's the best player on this team because it, yeah. it seems like the whole team's confidence switched as soon as he got back into the lineup. No, I was gonna, I was gonna bring. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot. But he he did get back in the lineup, um, and of course we went two in a row with him. And then him and Oki, yeah. And then I didn't think I didn't think he played. I don't think Samuelson played very well against the Devils. To be honest, he he was slow. He was falling all over the place, but. You can tell he's a difference maker. I mean, the the first game he comes back, they snap a losing streak, right? So, um, he's a difference maker. the The defense is still is still the issue. Still I think in, in on this team, it's still a work in progress. The team defense, and you, you said, you know, it's good to get back at a scoring clip. I mean, I just looked it up the other night. The Sabers, I think, have the fifth most goals for in the league, but they also have the fifth most goals against. So, I mean it's completely opposite from what we're used to, but this team scores, man, they they really do, but we can't defend very well. Um, I do want to give a shout out though, to Ukapeka Lukanen because he played very well on that uh, Wednesday night game against the blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's looked pretty good and honestly pretty solid since he's come up. He he's playing tonight, obviously, but I think he's been pretty solid in place of Comrie. Um, but again, it's not, it, it was never the goaltenders issues. Like the, like, is still getting left out the dry half the time too. Like this team defense just still isn't there. And I think Samuelson does help a lot. Like it clearly does help a lot. He he's a difference maker when he's out there. Um, it's a work in progress, but it's that is just the clear weakness of this team that you know we say it every week, but it's it's just very clear that that's the weakness of this team right now. Yeah, I still think they're a piece away on the on the defensive end from having a consistent back end. Uh, I, I I still think they need one more player back there to to solidify things a little bit. It's just are you teeing up some trade rumors right now? No, I just I I, I did see those trade rumors about 
Chikrin, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about that guy, honestly, to, to say whether I'm in or not. I don't know what it'd take to get him. But I, I still think they're one player away back there. And I, I, I still hate the middle Sat Olsen line. Um, yeah. they, I know they scored on Friday against the Devils, but they are consistently getting worked. And they consistently get outworked. They consistently don't do enough to 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 score to put pressure on the on the other team. It's just a nothing line that doesn't have any jump, and so I I I, I still think we're playing a line down and we're playing a defenseman down from being a a consistent competitive hockey team. But we are making strides. We like you said, this team scores. Lukanen did play really nice um, against the Blues on Wednesday. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens down the stretch. Do you have anything else on the Sabres? Because I did have a couple things I want to go back on the Bills real quick. Oh, <laughs> I just Reverse. don't think I don't think we the one one player that I I don't think we talked about enough was Ed Oliver because I think he was probably one of the best players against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah, he was with a safety one of the guys that was consistently making plays on the defensive side of the football when we weren't getting much production out of that whole defense and he was one guy that would you know make big plays when we need him to obviously with the safety was huge too um yeah he was other, one of the best players on he he was our best defensive player i think right. so i just want to give a shout out to Ed oliver and then the other thing is we didn't mention was the bills brought back john brown oh yes they did yeah Interesting move. I don't know. Do, do you think he gets in like any any games? Do you think he's just a depth signing? What what's the deal there? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, one thing that's nice is it's going to be a quicker learning curve for him. Obviously, he has chemistry with a lot of these players already, and especially with Josh, new OC than when he was here. But I think he'll be able to step in nicely and hopefully get involved quicker than Hines. But uh, seriously. We'll we'll see how involved he is. I don't know how much jump he still has. I mean, his whole, whole game, right? He's not a big guy, so his whole game has been like kind of a burner role, speed slot guy. And so, does he still have any gas left in the tank? At least it's a veteran, which I I think maybe will calm the team down a little bit. Especially losing Emmanuel Sanders, maybe that's bigger than we thought. Not having kind of that veteran presence in the room. I know Diggs is almost a veteran now, but that old a guy, a little bit older than Diggs, even that's been around the block a little bit longer. We don't have Crowder and we don't have Sanders. Maybe maybe John Brown can kind of fill that gap there. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I mean, see, we'll see what how how involved he is in the offense. I, I honestly, knowing the pace on, that we go with with new guys getting involved, I don't really see him being a factor at all in this Patriots game. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, no, it's it's obviously worth bringing up, and it's uh, yeah, no, it's in, it's just interesting to see right bringing John Brown back. It seems like we brought everyone back from that from that team a few years ago with like Shaq Lawson, and Jordan Phillips, like all those guys in the offseason, and now bringing John Brown back. I've always been a, a fan of smoke. So, I mean, I don't hate to see the move. I, you know, you'll see if he gets involved at some point down the line. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't have much else on the Sabres. The other thing I was going to say, because you brought up that middle stat Olsen line is, is middle stat seems to be the guy where, and I saw this on Twitter the other day, which I, which I thought was very true. Um, is that he, he, he seems to be the guy where, like he he's not good. Everyone knows. Everyone sees he's he's getting out work. He gets out hustled, but then he does just enough for Granado to keep him in the lineup. Where it's like, oh man, he he, he's one play. He's not having a good game, but then he just had a sick backhand sauce to Olafson for the goal, or he just like buried one on the power play like out of nowhere, right? He's like he's he's getting out worked all game, and then he scores, and it's like, well then, like damn, like you can't like what are you supposed to do when he when he's putting up kind of putting up points, um. And it's not like he's putting up a lot, but like, right. It's like, it's always these timely, it's so timely for him where it's like right at the point where it's like, all right, he has to get benched at this point. Right. And then no, he just gets a point or something. Um, Which, which for me personally, I don't think that's, you know, enough to, you know, not let him sit down for a little bit, but maybe from Granado's perspective or from the coaching staff's perspective, like they're seeing that and it, and it keeps him in the lineup. Um, But yeah, I, I would like to see him. Be... Oh, Yoster. Yeah, that was nice. Um, speaking of, we didn't, we never really talked about, you know, the, the Sabres, you know, claiming him. He's an interesting claim. Yeah. We Obviously. Talk so, about that for a second. so Joe's just scored for the Sabres. His first as a Sabre, uh, against Tampa, as you guys already know from last night, but 
We claimed him off waivers. He was he's played for Colorado and Minnesota. Yeah, been a little a journeyman. Journeyman, but he's only 24 years old. He was drafted in the 2016 draft, 10th overall. So he's 24 years old, a former first round top 10 pick. And I don't know enough about him. I've heard his name before, but I, you know, I don't know if it was lack of opportunity or what it was. I think he's played pretty well in the Sabres so far, but it's just an interesting get because he fits right in the age group with those Sabres, right? He's like that 23, 24 years old type of age group, a top 10 pick. So, I mean, it's an interesting one. He's played every game since he's come in. Um, We'll see how it plans out. The the only thing I'll say is it, and I reverted to this uh, last episode as well, is I don't know what the deal like with, I don't really know what the plan with Krebs is. Like the, this whole Krebs situation is kind of, I, I, I think, I think part of this is on the coaching staff because I don't think that he's been played with enough guys that he should be playing with for his play style. Like whenever he slots in the lineup, he is that one that goes with Middlestat and Olsen, which is, just, I don't think mixes well at all, or he'll play with Gergensen and Oposo and, and you don't want to mix up that top six right now, though, because that second line is buzzing as well. So, like, the Krebs, you know, angle is very weird and interesting, and I, I don't know what the plan is there with him. I know people are hypothetically, you know, if we're going back to the Chikrin rumors, saying, like, you know, Krebs a first for Chikrin. It's like, I don't know if I want to move on from Krebs that fast. Like, I, I just, we just got him in this trade. Like, it's just a weird situation where we need to find a way to you get need him to move on from somebody, though. We might have to move on from somebody, but it's just, it, it just feels... If it, it, it feel like you know, we're not doing our due diligence with Krebs, if we if we move on from him that quick, and if he's not playing, it's like I don't know what the plan is. Like he needs experience. He's literally a twenty year old kid. So that's yeah, the one I, thing this coaching staff needs to figure out. They need to figure that out. And I agree. I don't think the coaching staff has handled his situation well at all. With that being said, I don't think he's helped himself at all. Like say, hey, I need more ice time. Yeah. Um. I just wish that because I was trying to go through the lines the other day and and re-scramble to kind of get him involved and, and put Middlestad on the pine for a little bit. But I, I don't think you can mix up that top six right now. Obviously, with Thompson, Skinner and Tuck, they're playing great. And then they, we, I think we've really found something here with with Quinn, Cousins and, and Paterka. Right. I think they've been playing well. You, you have two yeah, two lines that you don't want to break up. You don't want to break right up now. right now. It's it's they're building chemistry. Yeah, they're consistently putting pressure on. And so it's like hard because it's like I I think you got to I was trying to get a bottom six together that involved Krebs and um you know I I don't know who well, that, that's with the who. point that's my point about the Sabers having too many of the type of the same player I, yeah. I said that I just don't want to but yeah. they have too many players that play the same style Krebs Olsen Middlestat Asplin all these bottom six guys outside of that top six. The third line is is just non-existent, and I, that's why I love this this Yo signing because, like you said, he is only what 24, 25 years old. He was a top ten pick, but he's kind of built a, a niche for himself where he he reminds me a lot like a Gergensen's where Gergensen he was also a first round pick, right? And he it was we quickly found out with him that he wasn't going to be a top six forward that scores twenty five goals a season, right? And Gergensen found that that home from him in a bottom six role where he can still, you know, put offense, still produce and from an offensive standpoint, but he's going to do uh, more from the intangible side. He's, he's going to be a little bit more physical. He's going to forecheck. He's going to kill penalties. And Yost seems to be fit in nicely with that fourth line because to me, out, Gergensen's and Oposo were, were looking for, there, there wasn't a real good fit on that line either. Like Krebs wasn't a fit on that line. Asplin kind of wanted to be, but I, I still think he need more jam than an Asplin on that line. So I, I, I really love the Yost pickup, and I think he's fitting nicely on that fourth line for us. You're gonna and that's and that's targeting that specific type of player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're and gonna so think, you're gonna uh you're gonna hate this take from me, but I, I I really think it has to be talked about at some point. Um it <sighs> dude, I don't know, man. We might have to move on from a poso. Like we have if we're, if we're getting these younger guys into play, like I don't oppose. Well, I don't think he's going to come back next year. Well, well, a couple of things here. I don't think Oposo's played that well this year. First of all, um, and then second of all, I mean, we can run the tapes, but the beginning of the year when we were talking about him getting the C, you said you uh, prediction was that they'll sign him again for an extension. So yeah. I'm I'm just in this case, like it might be kind of a hot take, but he hasn't done much this year. I know he was hurt, but it's like he is another guy where I know you're talking about these same type of players, like. Well, at some point, like he's the odd man out, man. He's the old one. It's like at some point you have to get like scratch these older guys. I know he's your captain now, but like to just get these younger guys experience, like he's the one that's like 30, 
30 plus years old. Like it, it's yeah, might be a hot I take, still, but like you, at some point, like he, he's not doing enough, like where we thought he was going to, like, I thought he'd be better at this point in the season, to be honest. He, he has like one goal and it was an empty netter. But I still would want him in my lineup versus middle stat right now, if that makes any sense. Yeah, we're middle stat for sure, but they're both in the lineup right now. I, I just, I just think it might be time to, you know, get, get Krebs in there and, and, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's a little bit of a hot take. It's just uh, I don't know if he's bringing much to the table. Well, he, he's that older know. guy. Why don't we sit Olsen for Krebs? That's my point. Well, you can. Why don't we sit Middlestat for Krebs too? Or sorry, Middlestat. That's what I meant. Why don't we sit Middlestat for Krebs? Krebs can play center. He's we, he's drafted as center. Try him out. See if the line clicks or not. I mean, Krebs's best, I think, aspect is his like game sense and passing. So yeah, I mean, no, I'm with you. I think he's the he's the guy you would scratch first. Um, I'm just throwing it out there because I, I think you got to move on from. If we're talking about you got to move on from one of those one of those one out of those. Well, maybe a couple. Guys. But I'm just saying at the at the end of the year, like I because I, basically the point I was trying to make is at the beginning of the year before the year started, we were both saying, hey, maybe a post was a guy that you can get a cheap number at the end of this year. I'm at the point now where I, th- I think he let him walk. I know he just got the C, but I th- I think it might be time to hang him up. Is, is all I was saying at the end of this year, yeah. which and, I don't know I, a lot of people saw coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a crapshoot. I also think that Oposo is going to know too. Like, I don't think he's going to be the type, type of guy that's going to be like, no, I want to stay and I want to be here and I want to be in the lineup every night. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if Kevin Adams has a serious conversation with him and be like, hey, like, we got to we gotta have our own guys here. Like, we want to we wanna bring you back, but you're not like, are you okay with like stepping down and maybe being like a scratch every night? Yeah. I, I, I think mean, I mean, even bring him on as like an assistant coach, hundred <laughs> percent. And and, and, maybe and we that. also and we also talked about the beginning of the year where we said that if he doesn't come back, would that be a bad move of of naming a captain? We both said no, it's fine. He can be a captain for one year and and move on. And 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 we both thought that was fine. It's it's different situation. He earned it here. If he if he moves on on the team, it's fine that he you know we we can maybe wait a little bit or, or name someone else the captain. So I don't think that's a big deal too if people are thinking about that aspect of it, right. But um, I don't got much else here on the Sabres or Bills. You got anything else before we kind of wrap up? How a long episode. Yeah, a long one there. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoy it. Go Bills, go Sabres, as always. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace. I have this thing where I get older, but just never watch. Midnight's become my afternoon. When my depression works the graveyard shift All of the people I've ghosted stand there in the room I should not be left to my own devices They come with prices and vices I end up in a crisis I wake up screaming from dreaming One day I'll watch you as you're leaving Cause you got tired of my scheming it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me at tea time, everybody agrees, I stay directly at the sun but never in the mirror, it must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sex baby.